You're listening to the Arctic Circle podcast. In this episode, titled United States Arctic Science Leadership, we hear Franz A. Kortova, director of the U.S. National Science Foundation, discuss the role of the NSF in Arctic research. This session originally took place at the 2019 Arctic Circle Assembly and includes Q&A from the audience, moderated by Dr. Larry Hinsman, President of the International Arctic Science Committee, and an introduction by His Excellency Jeffrey Ross Gunther, Ambassador of the United States to Iceland. The basis of good policy is good data and good science. And no one represents that more in America than our next speaker. I'm pleased to introduce the director of the National Science Foundation, Dr. Franz Cordova. Dr. Cordova is an astrophysicist and the 14th director of the National Science Foundation. It is an independent federal agency and the only the only agency charged with advancing all fields of scientific discovery, technological innovation, and STEM education. It is fitting then that Dr. Cordova is here to deliver a keynote address on U.S. Arctic science leadership. And so important part of that leadership is data collaboration. The NSF is a champion of Arctic science and a key part of the role the United States plays in advancing a sustainable, and I underline sustainable Arctic. The high quality, transparent research funded by NSF contributes immensely to all of our growing understanding of this rapidly changing, evolving, some would call new frontier. Under her leadership, the US government has updated its core principles for conducting Arctic research, which includes respect for indigenous knowledge and culture, which can only be obtained through speaking with, engaging those indigenous peoples of the Arctic. These principles embody the value that the United States brings to scientific research in the Arctic. The NSF has a long history of partnering with Icelandic institutions, studying new techniques for seafloor studies to protect earthquakes, and geophysical surveying techniques for archaeological exploration in northern Iceland. Dr. Franz Cordova has been a leader in science, engineering, and education for more than nearly three decades. She is President Emerita of Purdue University, Chancellor Emerita of the University of California, Riverside, and also a former Vice Chancellor for Research at the University of California in Santa Barbara. Dr. Cordova served as NASA's chief, and I underline chief scientist, and as the recipient of the agency's highest honor, the Distinguished Service Medal. She's a strong believer 
that strong research, strong data, results in strong policy. Please join me in giving a warm welcome to Dr. France Cordova. Good afternoon, and thank you very much, Ambassador Gunter, for that generous welcome and for your leadership in forging collaborations among all our nations. And your excellencies and all assembled here, my thanks to the Arctic Circle Assembly for providing this platform and inviting me to take part. One of the pleasures of leading the National Science Foundation is participating in global forums like this and the opportunity they offer to invest in and expand our relationships around the world. I'm heartened to see many of our long-standing international partners here today, along with new faces representing important perspectives. Growing up as a young girl, I was enamored of Nordic sagas and Nordic fairy tales. One latest saga, this from Iceland, is regrettably not a happy one. In fact, it merited the obituary page of a recent issue of The Economist magazine. I think some of you know that I'm talking about Auk, a shield volcano outside of Reykjavik. Until recently, it was called the Yolk Glacier, but the glacier part of its name is now gone, a victim of the Arctic warming. It is scientific research that is helping us understand the cause and nature of this warming, and hopefully scientific research that can inform our solutions for uh, global warming and uh, offer us opportunities in the faces of challenges. I'd like to talk today about the National Science Foundation's role in Arctic research. Following my talk, I look forward to taking your questions. We're brought together today by a unique region of the world, one that connects all of us. The Arctic has a profound influence on our planet and our way of life. As the region continues to change, its impact is felt more and more. The changing Arctic presents both challenges and opportunities. Throughout history, we've relied on our scientific enterprise to help us make sense of change. Scientists provide the knowledge that leaders need to navigate uncharted waters in all sectors of society. And our discoveries help inform local, national, and global policy. When addressing challenges shared by our international community, science serves as a powerful ambassador bringing countries and constituencies closer together. And research-informed insight is urgently needed to inform policy and practice in the Arctic. Next year, our agency, the NSF, will celebrate its 70th anniversary as a leader in basic research. Polar science has been a pillar of our research portfolio throughout much of that history. Our core investments in this area began with the International Geophysical Year, for which NSF coordinated efforts with our National Academy of Sciences and served as funding agency on behalf of the United States. This effort led to the Antarctic Treaty, 
which designated the continent for peaceful scientific research and is signed now by 54 nations. For NSF, it laid the foundation for our long-term commitment to leadership and support for polar research. The Arctic has always been a formidable region to explore, and it remains difficult today, in part because of how quickly it's changing. Not very long ago, NSF-funded teams traveled to the Arctic in planes, making camp and launching missions, all on sea ice far from the nearest continental shelf. It's immensely challenging to do that today because the sea ice is no longer a stable platform. But tackling tough challenges to advance knowledge is exactly what NSF and, frankly, all of our global funding agencies are about. As NSF director, I'm pleased to have led and continue to lead a number of efforts to accelerate the pace of Arctic research in collaboration with your nations to understand those changes and their impacts for our world. Last fall, I led a U.S. delegation to the second Arctic Science Ministerial in Berlin. Twenty-six nations, nine international groups, and six Arctic Indigenous Peoples Organizations gathered for that forum. I sat around the table with scientific leaders and Indigenous representatives who attended because they know that they have a stake in the Arctic's future. We renewed our commitment to our collaborative research goals, including improving Arctic observation, ensuring shared and open data, and strengthening infrastructure. The U.S. looks forward to continued participation in these forums. We heard this morning that Iceland and Japan will hold this forum together next fall. In 2017, the U.S. also ratified the Agreement to Enhance Arctic Science Cooperation, a binding document that sprang from the Arctic Council. My good colleagues, including Fran Ulmer, chair of the U.S. Arctic Research Commission, are spearheading efforts to work with the Arctic eight nations and observers to minimize barriers to internationally cooperative Arctic science. The Commission has issued an important report on the U.S. goals and objectives for Arctic research. I believe that the U.S. goals for research are aligned with the strategic emphasis that Iceland's Minister Lilia enunciated this morning. Cooperation, inclus inclusiveness, transparency, and innovation. At NSF, when we examined some of our nation's most pressing research grant challenges and came up with 10 big ideas to address them, one we called Navigating the New Arctic emerged among them. Through this effort, NSF is stepping up investments to enhance innovation in the Arctic observing and predictive capabilities that this rapidly changing region demands. We've dedicated almost $40 million of additional funds to domestic and international projects in 2019, which represents a 40% increase in expenditure that will be carried forward for the foreseeable future. We envision a future in which autonomous instrumentation, enabled by machine learning and artificial intelligence, can acquire information whenever and wherever it's needed. 
new tools are going to be critical to help us navigate this extreme environment, and some of those new tools are shown in this slide. They'll also help bring together researchers from a wide swath of fields and disciplines that cut across natural, built, and social systems. NSF will continue to collaborate directly with our international partners to meet the objectives of our big idea called Nash and navigating the new Arctic. One of our very exciting investments centers around the German research icebreaker, Polar Stern, and we heard some about that in various talks this morning. Uh, I think most of you know that it's settled in the high Arctic just last week to begin a year's drift in the sea ice. Mosaic is the largest single Arctic research expedition ever undertaken. 17 countries and 600 people, including 270 scientists, will participate. And I don't know about you, but I would love to be on that vessel. The ship uh, it, it, it camps um, uh, in, uh, it locked in by sea ice and drifts with the sea ice. And it will serve as a base for collecting data above and within and below the ice, using everything from autonomous air and sea systems to remote sensing. Scientists can finally be there to fill in key data gaps and understanding of processes needed to advance predictive modeling. And yes, there are gaps in our modeling of climate change, and these need research on the ground to fill them. NSF is proud to have played a prominent role in the development and support of Mosaic and to continue to support U.S. leadership and participation in collaboration with our German colleagues and the 16 other nations. To make the progress needed, we're talking about gathering massive amounts of data, making it available to everyone, scientists and the public, and making sure it's useful information that helps show what's happening in the Arctic and can help inform wise policy. With new advancements in gathering data come new challenges for storing and processing that information. So another of NSF's 10 big ideas for investment is called Harnessing the Data Revolution and it addresses this opportunity, and it underscores Minister Lilia's theme of transparency or open science. Among the goals of this challenge is to develop a cohesive national-scale approach to research data, storage, and infrastructure, which will have enormous implications in the Arctic and across every field of study. I'll give you one example of this promising work. It's called the Rolling Deck to Repository. The repository was developed to preserve and openly distribute environmental sensor data collected by the U.S. academic research fleet. It's an interagency effort supported by the National Science Foundation. It stores the underway data obtained by 48 vessels and over 7,000 research cruises, nearly 9 million downloadable files all in one repository. It's example of high-resolution uh, data that's all gathered together for open access and distribution. 
Another example is in a, a high-resolution uh, digital elevation map that I have shared with uh, your president uh, yesterday that has um, a resolution that is um, of just a, a couple hundred meters and better in some places of the entire Arctic and also the Antarctic. Beautiful maps. And this was done as an interagency cooperation between an agency of the Department of Defense called the National Geospatial uh, agency uh, in our country and uh, the National Science Foundation and others who took these data, which were when they were made open, unclassified, and used supercomputers to produce these uh, these digital high resolution maps. And now they're used for everything, from understanding the changes that are going on and in our polar regions to new shipping lanes and the like. And it's just another example of uh, what we can do when we uh, work together, interagencies and intercountries, in order to pool our data, our very good data, and then share that openly uh, for the benefit of new discoveries. In addition to capturing new data, we're exploring methods to federate our existing data and working with our international partners and other federal agencies to enable our systems to exchange information. And this is one of the biggest things that I've heard at the two science ministerials that I've attended, the one in the U.S. and the one I mentioned in Berlin, is the importance of uh, sharing uh, all the data that we're collecting among nations. And of course, people are the cornerstone of scientific progress. In the realm of Arctic science, this means doing more to include the knowledge of indigenous communities who have called the Arctic home for centuries. That's why we've made co-production of knowledge a vital component of our investment in Arctic research. We encourage scientists in northern communities to design research objectives and approaches together. It's also why we have worked with our partners to revise the principles for conducting Arctic research to foster greater communication among residents and scientists. And it's why we're continuing to invest in STEM education through programs like the Alaskan Native Science and Engineering Program called ANSEP, which is forging new public, private, and philanthropic partnerships to inspire a new generation of Arctic research. We heard this morning from young scientists who are becoming involved in research programs in the Arctic, and NSF is pleased to support them. And in the ANSEP program uh, in Alaska, we are uh, involving the young Native people in uh, research in science and engineering uh, with the hope that they will like it and become the scientists and engineers of the future. The Arctic reminds us that our world is inextricably linked. With each new generation and technological advancement, we grow more and more intertwined. Science and science leadership can help us rise to the challenges and opportunities of our changing Arctic. I look forward to working with all of you to advance our shared objectives. Thank you very much. Thank you, Dr. Kudova. That was wonderful. Great presentation. I'd also like to thank you for being such a, uh, a strong and effective director of the National Science Foundation and for being such a good friend to uh, international Arctic science. You've, uh, you've been really good for us. Thank you. 
So I think I'll take the first question, if the audience will allow. And I, you mentioned at the end about engaging indigenous communities. Can you tell us how NSF is doing that, and, and are other federal agencies also uh, engaging that way too? Yes, uh, absolutely. So first let me take the other federal agencies. We, um, the, the NSF is not a regulatory agency nor a policy agency. We're a research agency. And our mission is to further the progress of science. So what we fund is really great research. That said, we are members of the National Science and Technology Council in the White House. This is chaired by the director of the Office of Science and Technology Policy, uh, Kelvin Drogemeyer. And we have many different uh, committees and groups uh, that are led uh, or joined by the different uh, agencies uh, and the, the different science agencies in the US government. And uh, one of those is the interagency Arctic Research Policy Committee, and I chair that. And so we gather about 20 different uh, scientific agencies and organizations uh, periodically to talk about what we're all doing in the Arctic. Um, as uh, some people have noticed, there's uh, a lot in the U.S., a lot of different efforts. And so I, I think a, a major goal of ours is to coordinate those efforts, make them uh, co coherent, and to work together with the communities that are in the Arctic in order so they'll have more impact by being uh, coherent. So we have a strategic plan and we're re-upping a new five-year strategic plan shortly and we, we just talked about that a week or two ago. And um, so we, I've been to the Arctic uh, of course, a, a few times, and I've talked with Native leaders, and um, they've uh, really impressed on me the importance of our uh, scientists from all our agencies working closely with them as we design and implement our experiments so that we, we go not at cross-purposes, but that so we're working together on common goals. And um, so, so that is one way that we do it. And then also, as I mentioned, we do have support of uh, Native uh, students and their faculty and all to engage them in the research that we do. And I, I figured that that's uh, good news for the future of the Arctic. Excellent. So I think we'll, uh, we'll open it up to the audience now. For, uh, are there any questions from the audience? Yes, please. Is there anyone right here? Hello, uh, my name is Hannah. I go to school at the University of Texas in Austin. And um, I had a question. I was wondering um, how the NSF deals with um, operating under an administration that for the most part denies human-driven climate change, um, and if this hinders the work that the NSF does. Uh, the, the NSF is an executive branch agency, and uh, in that role I, uh, I report directly uh, to the White House, and we have uh, we have very very good uh, relationships. I think uh, we have a very strong arm for science and technology policy that I I just um, mentioned called OSTP, and it is led by a meteorologist, Kelvin Drogemeyer, um, who. I've known for years and years. He was vice chair of my uh, board, the National Science Board, that is the policy arm of NSF. And uh, I think he's approaching 
um, the uh, challenges of climate change uh, very uh, wisely. We, uh, we at the agency, as I said, we're a science agency. We have never had any direction about what we could or couldn't do. We are just expected to fund through our merit review process the best research possible. And uh, we haven't been inhibited in that. In fact, Congress has given us some, some additional monies every year for the past few years uh, in order to do that mission better. And uh, I think some of you know that we have a large portfolio in the geosciences, which includes our, our polar efforts. In Antarctica, we run the U.S. Antarctica uh, program with three bases there uh, on behalf of the entire government. So I would say our relationship is strong. We have uh, excellent scientists at OSTP and the White House uh, furthering uh, science and technology policy. I mentioned the interagency group that I, I chair that has a very, very good uh, strategic plan. So I believe that we are moving forward to address uh, the changes and to look at both the opportunities and the challenges that they present. Thank you for your question. And I have to uh, thank you here and end. We're out of time, but uh, thank you for a wonderful presentation and thanks for your continued great leadership. Thank you, Larry.